You're listening to This Naked Mind with Annie Grace. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to This Naked Mind podcast, and I'm here with Allie. How are you, Allie? I'm great. Thanks, Annie. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so good to have you. So why don't you sort of take us back to the beginning in your relationship with alcohol? Where did it all start for you? Uh, well, it was a long time. <laughs> um, started in my teens. Um, I was brought up in the 80s. So sort of, um, yeah, probably 13, 14, um, fitting in with uh, the kids at school. Um, the main thing that I guess I started first with smoking um, cigarettes because alcohol, I mean, when you're at school, you can't really, you know, just nip out and drink some beers. So I, it gets it started with um, smoking, um, which was just terrible because I'm a, a bad childhood asthma really badly. So, you know, there's that uh, fitting in. Um, so after that, I um, my dad owned a tavern, um, which would think, oh, yeah, awesome. I didn't really, I sort of learned how to roll cigarettes and experiment with alcohol, um, pretty, you know, vomiting and stuff go hand in hand with drinking and trying to uh, smoke at a young age, um, but continued at, you know, like most, some people would um give it away because it tasted horrible or it gives you head spins or it makes you feel sick. But no, good old Ali just uh, pushed through that, <laughs> continued down um, the cigarette. And then I moved to a little town uh, quite a fair way away from home. I was 16 when I left home. And, um, yeah, that's kind of like the alcohol for me then was like a massive friend and crutch to... Um, have the confidence to just just to live really Um, I was really shy and anxious and didn't have much self-esteem or self-worth so alcohol was you know held on to that beer for a dear life to um, talk to anybody and um, and in those days you know in Australia you start drinking at the legal age is 18 um so I didn't look 18. <laughs> I looked about 15, but, you know, in a small town, they were just like, hey, love, what do you want to drink? And it was like, oh, I'll have a beer, thanks. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I sort of stayed up in a small town and really didn't fit in anywhere. So I, I ended up coming back down to Perth and then living with a girlfriend from school. And, again, I think we all would have been about 17 and, same sort of thing. We'd go to nightclubs without a, it just wasn't even a question of showing ID. And again, I didn't look my age. Uh, I had an older brother. So he was sort of my um, route to getting into nightclubs or casino. And he actually used to get asked for ID and I'd just slip through. <laughs> He'd be like standing there thinking, oh my God, she's like 16, you know. But um, yeah, so. Just alcohol was just um, pretty much um, what I just relied on and, and it was normalised. Everyone I knew drank. Um, <clears throat> so there wasn't many. Um, my parents didn't really drink a lot. 
until sort of after they had a marriage breakdown when I was 12. And um, I just remember mum, you know, sitting on the phone with her girlfriends, drinking beer and smoking, chain smoking cigarettes. And my dad used to always sit out the back after work with his um, beer, read the paper, roll his cigarettes. And we wouldn't, you know, sort of, he wouldn't come in for dinner. It would just be like he'd be left to, you know, his own devices. So quite an avoidant distance Dad and mum was, I'm the youngest of seven. Um, I've got a twin brother and, you know, there wasn't much room for, um, you know, hey, mum, I'm feeling this way. And, you know, she was just running on empty most of her life. But, um, yeah, so after I left, I lived with a girlfriend and we had a party and it was out of control and I sort of rang my mum and I said, you know, mum, can I move back home? And she said, no, I told you when you left that, you know, you're not to come home. So my brother ended up taking me in and I think I was only about, would have been about 18. And that was, he just, we just had like a housemates, everybody drank, smoked pot. It was fun, <laughs> not going to lie. But it was quickly, I think I was about 18 when I said to one of my sisters that I think I'm an alcoholic. And, I mean, that's the legal age of drinking and I was already having those the issues with alcohol at such a young age. And she was, you know, through no fault of her own, oh, just stop, you know, just don't have any, just don't drink. And it was just like, uh, okay, couldn't do that because of peer pressure and living in a house, um, you know, partying and stuff and then I met a guy um sort of my first long-term boyfriend and he yeah partied we saw bands um he you know I experimented with recreational drugs for all of our relationship and realized that I was um a, just I had no self-esteem so the alcohol was again you know just that crutch that I used to be able to socialize and um, then I sort of got jealous with him because I had never been in a relationship and of course um, my childhood abandonment issues were pretty much in our relationship the whole time like the, the jealousy I, I wouldn't wish it on anyone but I just yeah, I just didn't know how to cope. So I'd just drink my way through the feelings of, you know, oh, my God, he's looking at that girl. Oh, my God, he's talking to that girl. Like, it was just this constant nightmare of um, this, yeah, this jealousy. So eventually he had enough of me, um, you know, accusing him of playing out, playing away. So when that relationship broke down, um, I really, I was only in my early 20s, or mid-20s, and I, that was a pretty dark time. Like I drank myself into absolute oblivion and just, yeah, I was lucky I didn't die, to be honest. I just just drank and drank and drank to try and soothe that, you know, abandoned little child. And, you know, of course, having a breakup's not um, the most fun thing to have. So I then sort of... Yeah, moved on with that to then thinking, well, I basically turned into a bit of a promiscuous ladette. Um, I went into, a, you know, I was working sort of as a landscaper, working with 
men and I could drink them all under the table. That was my credit. My, my, my labels of myself was party girl, um, alcoholic alley, which was AA, which we all used to laugh about. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I used to have this saying, you know, find them, fuck them, forget them. And that was my protection. And, um, yeah, I'd, I'd put myself at risk, you know, every weekend pretty much. I'd go to a nightclub trying to get free booze, sleeping around, just just lost, absolutely lost. I did go into therapy a few times um, and it was always coming back to self and um, this abandonment that I felt as a, as a kid, being the youngest, you know, you're not really seen, heard, acknowledged. And I guess I used alcohol to be seen, heard and acknowledged. That's all I knew. That's the only tools I had in my toolbox. And also, I guess the credit, you know, like um, drinking men under the table, playing pool. I'm a total, utter tomboy. And, I, you know, I've had really close relationships with my brothers, so I could sort of, like, get into that male mindset. And I figured, you know, what worked and, yeah, the playing pool and partying and driving trucks and I worked in the mining industry um, for a couple of years and that was literally a licence to drink and um, travel. So um, they ended up bringing in um, like a drug and alcohol screening because this would have been like the mid-90s and, you know, the Wild West, you know, I live in the... Western Australia and it's, it's pretty much uh, holds up the economy through mining industry for Australia and when they decided that you know the miners were getting a little bit um, bit naughty they decided to think well we better screen them so once that came in when I heard that they were going to test for alcohol and drugs I was like oh I'm out you know how dare they take you know my um, alcohol and marijuana was pretty much what I was using away so I left the industry and it was very well paid all in between that I'd lost my license three times the last time was in 1998 working on a mine site and um, yeah that was uh, all these yeah I didn't it didn't think that oh alcohol's the problem here I just thought oh you know again there was that credit oh you lost your license and and like the geologists, I lied to him. Oh, mate, you have to pick me up from uh, from t- to go to work now. Like he had no clue. They're lying. I was a really good liar. <laughs> so that was 1998. Um, I promised and prayed and said to myself, I'll never drink again. Please, universe. I really thought that I'd be put in jail because it was um, DUI, high range. I mean, I've been drinking all day. I was on my way back from the nightclub stubby between my legs like three o'clock in the morning and yeah for some reason like I, I did all the right steps to get my license back which was not drinking you know and then as soon as I got my license back it was like it never happened straight back into ah okay uh dodged the system I got my license back and you know just never had that association with you know alcohol's the problem and there's one solution not drink um so then I met um yeah just sort of had pretty meaningless jobs and then I um was working for my brother landscaping and we found a dog a stray dog and 
we were working on a site and this dog just, you know, we were there for a few weeks and I'm like saying to my brother, let's take the dog home, let's take the dog home. And he's like, no, nah, no. Nah. And then we thought, well, who do we ring to, you know, get rid of this dog? So call a ranger. And um, I chatted to the the ranger and I said, oh, how do you become a ranger? Because I have a real gift with animals and dogs especially. Um, so he told me that you had to go, it, was, it wasn't like university, so that was a good thing in my mind because I had this limiting belief that I wasn't smart, you know, I wasn't good enough. So when I found out how to do it, I actually um, did the course and um, I remember the night before my big um, exam, you know, I got drunk in in that, oh, my God, you know, did all the right steps and then right at the last night before the test, it was like, oh, my gosh. So I woke up, I passed the test, thankfully, um, and then, yeah, uh, got my first job in local government working as a ranger and that really, I was like, oh, wow, I've got a, I really love this job. In fact, on my sort of first job, I was, I went to a girlfriend's house and we drank half a carton of beer. That's just a normal Thursday night. Woke up in the morning, hadn't eaten, and I was driving to work when I got pulled over because um, I didn't indicate and the police pulled me over and I'm like, oh, shit, and I'm like heavily breathing. I mean, I've done this before, so it's like heavily breathing, you know, morning, and they're like, oh, morning, love, we'll just uh, you didn't indicate back there and uh, have you, you know, we'll just do a random drug uh, random alcohol and I'm like oh yeah sure and I actually blew numbers in the morning so that was a pretty quiet trip back to the police station and I had I text my boss saying I'm just going to be a bit late I've been pulled over and then when I by the time I got back to the police station I'd I'd um blew under and then they drove me back and I went to work and and my boss actually to be honest he was actually a bit of a pisshead so he was we had like oh you know the bacon and eggs the coffee um was no no consequence um so that sort of I've just been dodging those experiences all of my life until I stopped drinking but um then I met my husband um sort of while I was working and he um is a massive drinker and I thought beautiful I've met my match a few red flags there but I thought oh no I can change him um I was I am nine years older than him I was kind of like in my early 30s um and thought he'll do you know he'll do so we had a honeymoon baby who's just left now for work she's 18 and um yeah it was like my first bout of uh, sobriety was being pregnant. That's literally the longest ever that I hadn't drank for my whole life and um, felt amazing as we do and we've got a bun in the oven. Um, and then as soon as I had her within, I don't know, weeks, I was back onto drinking I mean, I think even the um, the nurse at the hospital was saying it's okay to drink Guinness. There's the iron in there, and like yeah. people would come with the baby, like you come into the hospital because I actually had a cesarean, and there's bottles of champagne. Like the men, the men go off and wet the baby's head. I mean, what an excuse! It's just an excuse to get drunk. 
And now I'm sitting in a hospital with, you know, stitches in my guts and, you know, going, oh, what about me? So, oh, I'll have a Guinness. And, I mean, it just nobody batted an eyelid. It was just that culture of, oh, yes, has, has you know, red wine's good for your heart, Guinness is good for your iron. So I, I was hooked line and sinker. Oh, that was my pattern. So, yeah, as soon as I could, I could... Um, I started back straight back into drinking um, with a small child. Thankfully, she was a good sleeper. Um, otherwise, I don't think we would have coped. So, yeah, it literally was just like back to normal, drinking every night, not getting drunk because I was breastfeeding. But, you know, the the times that you drop, your, you know, your kid off to your mum to babysit, like we just couldn't get to the bottle shop or to our friend's house to get absolutely annihilated because, oh, my God, you know, I'm a new mum and this is my reward, you know, and it was like, yeah, Ali's back. Um, I wasn't older, you know, I was 35 when I had Maya and, and I sort of thought it was a bit dry, you know, being a stay-at-home mum, so... We actually bought a property uh, quite a uh, in a remote place, like literally no one around uh, on a farm. And that was a good thing and a bad thing. It was, it felt like it was, well, I felt like I was on holidays. You know, we had uh, my first horse, we had motorbikes. I could drink any time of the day and I didn't have to drive anywhere. Like, so it was real dangerous because I did actually uh, suffer postnatal depression, even though I lied to the clinic nurse at six weeks to do the test and I bullshitted. And she's like, mm, no, I think you're a, you know, you're a classic case of postnatal. And so eventually I did get onto some antidepressants. Still didn't think it was alcohol, although through the years I'm always this inner voice was like, don't drink tonight. You know, like I'd look at diaries and it was always like, you know, what would be a wish? Well, it wouldn't be. I guess the first thing I would wish is that I wouldn't, I could moderate, you know, like I just get the can't stops and it was managing that like it was just that headspace of yeah if people would like my in-laws you know they they had the wine they're uh Europeans so they would have wine with dinner and then the dessert wine I couldn't give a shit what wine it was I was just like give me the wine because it's alcohol um so I never had that sort of off switch and so living on a farm with a new baby my alcohol um and marijuana use was like on free for all. So then, um, and he, I think my husband at the time, I think he had postnatal depression for men. Like he just was not coping at all. I mean, we only ended up having one child and I did have three miscarriages while we were on the farm. And the last one was, um, I was like 17 weeks, had to be hospitalised. I kind of was in the hospital thinking, oh, shit, is it because I drank through my early stages? Like, just that shame and guilt. And then wasn't talked about, um, came back to, after hospital, obviously had a couple of days off because I was feeling pretty rough. And then that's how we coped in our marriage. We just drank it away, didn't talk about it, pushed it under the rug. It didn't happen, not even my family. We, they were like, oh, well, you know, it's kind of like people just think miscarriages is a missed period. Um 
So again, nothing was dealt with. Um, both him and I were really, really miserable. We kind of broke up a few times, like without moving out, but we just were so unhappy, but kept pushing through. We're married, you know, got to make it work. Had all the self-help books. I said to my mum, you know, like I'm, I'm drinking a lot, but I didn't tell her that I was also smoking marijuana and that's because, you know, it's illegal and it's, you know, but the 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 main thing, I guess, was the alcohol. But she said, oh, well, darling, just try not to drink or go to the doctor. Like, you know, this is, it's just so like, yeah, you just feel that shame of, well, nobody actually knew, like, you know, that alcohol is bad for you because there's still that, that messaging that was still on the news, like red wine's good for your heart. <laughs> A glass a day. So, you know, this false thing of, oh, yeah, well, you know, I'm just doing what the doctor says. But realistically, I just couldn't have one or two glasses. I was like, you know, give me the bottle. So we ended up moving to uh, France um, to live because, as I said, his parents are European and I thought, fresh start. If I'm going to be isolated, I might as well move to the other side of the world. Um, yeah, so that was beautiful. I mean, I wish I still lived there, but... um. We come to France and it's like, you know, people, the French have their little um, shots of, I can't think of the word, the drink in the morning, um, you know, with their coffee. I mean, it's the best place if you're an alcoholic, you go live in France because they'd have their long lunches and there'd be wine on the table. Like people at work, you, you literally got given um, cider or wine as part of your um, meal. And it's just like, oh, wicked. <laughs> and it was a lot cheaper to drink over there. So, yeah, that, um, you know, lots of days of walking my daughter to, you know, pre-primary or kindergarten, I guess, over there. So hungover, like looking like shit. But the night before, I was in the bar like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm from Australia. And then the next day, you'd see those people and I'd be like, oh, you know, good morning, bonjour. Like just couldn't wait to get the hell out of there, go home and basically do nothing for the rest of the day, go back and pick her up. And it was just that cycle. That was my life. Um, hungover, pissed, hungover, drunk. Um, so then we moved back to, um, we lived in England, but that sort of all went pear-shaped. We were living with a guy that was pretty much an alcoholic um, and then it just, that blew up. So we found ourselves back in Australia and, um, again, living in a remote town and, again, I'm drinking, for some reason, I switched to Bacardi um, trying to cope, living in a new town, making new friends. It was very clicky. And I'd just literally go home and drink. And my husband was working like a, as a, like in the mines. So the boys would come over and I was just like, you know, invite such and such over because they were a big drinker. So there's just that pattern of, you know, just trying to find people that drank as much as us. And it wasn't, it wasn't hard, but, you know, we had, our, part, our house was the place to be and then moved back to um, Perth, which is the city, and we um, set up our own moonshine still as a hobby. So, like, you know, our marriage was pretty toxic. It was um, I tried to leave, like, 
then I had a bout of sobriety in maybe 2015. It lasted until summertime and then it was like, oh, well, everybody else is drinking. And that was the thing, you know, I'd say to people, oh, let's do dry July or let's do, you know, sober October and I'd just get the absolute piss taken out of me like, what, you, what do you want to do that for? You know, so, of course, the people pleaser in me, oh, okay, I'd last probably three days and then I'd be like, oh, stuff it, you know. I go, again, like using other people to control myself. And that's sort of how I lived was like, you know, if they didn't want to give drinking away or stop for the day or, you know, for the month, then I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm not going to do it either. Even though I really deep, deep down inside wanted to not drink, I just couldn't, just didn't have the inner strength to um, speak up and say, actually, no, I'm going to do it for myself. So we eventually, you know, that moonshine the, the still, um, the husband with his alcohol issues, um, very passive aggressive. He was basically passing out on the couch every night. I was anxiety ridden, trying to work out what, what state he was in. Always sort of putting it on him, like, oh, I wish he would stop drinking. I wish he would stop drinking. And then when I had enough and like make him stop drinking, then I would literally just keep drinking. No support for him, you know, like, oh, it's your fault. It's you, you're, you've got the drinking problem. But actually, you know, I actually did as well. But my drinking, in my mind, it wasn't affecting my life. Like I was still cooking dinner. I was still going to work. I was still, you know, meeting my requirements. So that's the lie that and the denial that it was, you know, it's all about somebody else, not me. And then in 2019, um, we, I, you know, it just got to a point where it was just like, no, nah, I'm done, I'm out. And his mental health had really declined and we both finally had an honest conversation and said, are we just prolonging the inevitable? Like, So we had a mutual separation, but then it quickly turned into a pretty uh, terrible time. Um, he His alcohol use went from just still an alcoholic, but then he just ramped up and everybody kind of said, oh, poor him, poor him. You know, the marriage is broken down and there's me trying to work. You know, I had a pretty stressful job. I was managing an animal shelter, um, dealing with, you know, stray abandoned animals, euthanizing animals dealing with a, a toxic ex like my life a horrible boss like if anybody had the right to freaking get drunk it was me but I don't know you, you sort of find out who your friends are when you um and they all sort of thought well even his parents were you know oh well it's because of the marriage breakdown that he's getting paralytic and I'm like okay cool so I just had to back myself. But then that um, that marriage breakdown, I just thought, okay, well, this is this is party girl alley. I'm back to woohoo, I'm free. So I yeah, gave uh, alcohol um a real red hot go. I was back out in the bars, I was back at the nightclubs, I was back with, you know, basically drinking, and then I was sort of finding myself drinking alone more because when you when I smoked marijuana I wouldn't drive so 
you know, a lot of people still drive and whatever, but I would just, I, w- I wouldn't, and then that would stop me from going out. I wouldn't want the dogs. Like, it just became very lonely and isolating. Um, and just that victim mentality, I, you know, the friends, the few friends that I had would just sit around every whatever night and, you know, it was boring. We're just talking about the same crap and bitching about people and that's not me. Um, so then I started, then COVID came, um, awesome. That was great. Yeah, I could drink any time of the day. Those, you know, we actually, I still had to work. Um, I had that job where we were sort of emergency things, so I didn't sit in an office um, and could work from home. Um, but, yeah, certainly when COVID came, the, the little part of me was it's like, awesome. Like, let's stock up and drink at home. That suited me perfectly. And then I sort of... Um, Got sick of being sick of tired, you know, like just wake up. I mean, I'm a bit older now and the hangovers were um, not enjoyable, like just that constant dull headache. Everything was in black and white. I was angry. I was I was always had headaches. My diet was crap. Um, I looked like shit. So then I sort of started to get a bit curious and... I never Googled am I an alcoholic, or maybe I did when I was in my 20s, but I knew that, that you know, I drank differently to anybody else I knew and I was lying to everyone but mostly to myself. And so I um, heard a lady on the radio when I was driving home and she um, did a, was talking about sobriety, which, so that was 2000 and maybe 21 early. And that sort of like there's that, oh, is there another avenue that we can go down? And so I listened to her and heard her, Googled um, her, her name's Danny Carr, and um, so I found her podcast. And then while I was Googling, I found uh, your book, bought the book um, and read that and I was like, oh, wow. Like, so that sort of complemented. So I reached out to... Um, how I Quit Alcohol by Danny Carr, and she had, yeah, so actually I hadn't reached out to her. I was just getting curious. I had was reading your book and actually abstained, like I didn't drink for most of May 2021 or maybe April, and then I um, <clears throat> would get back into that loop, like I'd have a good little stint and then bam, just one Tuesday afternoon I'd find myself driving home, it was like into the bottle shop, grab your beer or, well, you know, grab my alcohol, go home, smoke a cone, drink, and then be like, what am I doing? And then that internal thing, oh, you're useless, why'd you do it for? Like just that loop. And so I rang a girlfriend and said, like, I need help. How do I get away from this? So my good friend from high school, um, I didn't realise that she was doing um, really deep hypnosis, hypnotherapy. She's also a a licensed counsellor. So I ended up ringing her and she said, um, yeah, come and see me. Um, So I went down, uh, spent a day sort of basically in therapy, even though I'd had therapy over the years, but really broke it down, like why do you, you know, what do you, 
what does alcohol free look like to you just unpacked a lot of stuff and then she hypnotized me and we asked the specific questions to your subconscious which you know for example like how would Ali um, navigate what will stop Ali from picking up a drink again and then my subconscious will be like ah well she just doesn't go to the bar she doesn't put herself at risk she doesn't hang around those toxic friends so yeah we really like it was I was under for nearly two hours and woke up out of that didn't drink but I did have a work colleague's wedding and I don't know like whether she said something that you'll drink then but anyway I found myself so not drinking for maybe three weeks not even thinking about it and then bam the wedding came there's me with a bloody glass of bubbles what the hell are you doing and I was even like kind of shaking because I just Something in me was just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? But, of course, the old pattern was like, ah, just have this one night. So there I am, last one up, you know, tidying out, like there's no tomorrow. And then the next morning I had to, it was out of town, so I had to drive home. And that feeling, Annie, of that, am I going to get pulled over? Oh, you're, you're stupid. What did you do that for? Like from that high of, oh, yeah, I'm having a great time, to then that low of, the anxiety, I guess. And I then, so I drive home and I actually took a video of myself and just said, you'll never, ever, ever feel like this again. And really had a good chat to myself because that feeling I've, I've carried around with me for nearly 40 years of, yeah, so I um, haven't drank since. And that was the 21st of June, 2021. Oh, wow. That's amazing. What a great story. Wow. So powerful. I relate to so much of it. I feel like, yeah, all of those little aspects of, I don't know, being just indoctrinated into the whole thing, which is so true. So how has it been for you? Uh, amazing. So like, I mean, you know, we, I, I did sit in, I mean, obviously 40, nearly 40 years of drinking when you, when you take alcohol away, I mean, it's not all rainbows and unicorns. That's maybe when I, maybe that's when I heard um, Danny Carr on the radio. So I um, was starting to, you know, search and work out, okay, well, I I didn't really fit into the AA thing. I I think I had that mental thing in my head that I think a lot of people had. AA is only for old, you know, men that sleep under the bridge. It just didn't fit. I just wasn't in alignment with that. So I then, uh, I think I had about seven months under my belt and I didn't tell anyone. I just, it was it was June, so in Australia it was winter. I basically turned into a hermit and avoided everyone and everything but just kept my own. I, I told a couple of friends at work that weren't drinkers, so I, I got into hiking. I've always been active, but I just surrounded myself with, um, yeah, people that didn't need alcohol to have a good time um, and just switch things around like any triggers. So I would do the gardening or doing different things in the morning so then you didn't have that sense of reward. Oh, I've put the bins out. <laughs> I've done some gardening. I better have a drink to reward myself. So, um, but, yeah, just I just kept, you know, read some quit lit. 
um, listened to podcasts and then I, I joined up to a three-month challenge. And that, you know, that's part of doing the work and it was literally unpacking the whys and why we drink. You know, what are you escaping from? What are you soothing? It's a bit like what you're in your book, you know, it's that. And also because, you know, that's all I knew. That's literally all we were taught. I mean, it was alcohols for celebrating, commiserating, rewarding. Um, I didn't, like literally we used to say, don't ever trust somebody who doesn't drink. Like, they're weird. Don't trust that person. They don't drink. So you wouldn't go near them because you'd be, oh, but I guess deep down it reflects on you, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I did the challenge and, you know, journaling. So over the years of active drinking, like whenever I'd go, I'd get Reiki, I'd get like, you know, I'd go see psychics and they'd be like, oh, just take this out of my head, you know. And then um, it was, yeah, this self-soothing, you know, it's that abandoned child that was never seen or heard. So obviously when you take alcohol, which... Um, I did, it was the wise on why we drink and I'm worthy. So I started, Danny taught us how to meditate and always, always like people would say, oh, you know, meditate and you should do this. And I was like, no, 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 I'm too, I'm too monkey brain. I can't do it. Why would I want to do that? Um, anyway, she taught us that and breath work. And it was like, wow, like journaling, getting it all out of your head. So that you know, calming that nervous system. Like I was just in fight or flight mode for my whole life of um, reacting as a 15-year-old girl So and not trusting myself. So, yeah, I learned, learned that and that was basically, you know, a year into sobriety. I was going to my twin brother lives away from home and, I literally gave it a millisecond thought of when I go up to hit, to see him for our birthday. Yeah, maybe, you know, I've given alcohol away for a year. Maybe I'll just get absolutely, um, you know, get peace with my brother, have a good time, and then I'll just get back on the wagon. And honestly, Annie, I just gave it a split-second thought and went, why would I do that? Why? Because I, I, it took me so long to get to that point that and my life before, leading up to that was was so good to wake up feeling amazing so what would that play and that's what Danny and what I tell people now play it forward so what would that look like because a drink at lunchtime I know for me that would end up you know till midnight so play it forward what's it going to achieve I wake up you know probably wouldn't remember half the conversations wake up feeling like shit, and then that same depressive critic in your head would be like, oh, you're useless, you can't do it. I just don't have, I was sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. So I then decided, well, it's not even like I'll never drink again. I just, I just know. I never, because I've had the evidence of two and a half years sober, how my life's changed um, by taking that toxic liquid out of my life and I just wouldn't go back to that ever 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 it's just not worth it and the, the only time that I probably would have 
which was that day, that time, you know, in, it would have been for somebody else, that people pleaser in me. I would drink because it would make him happy because he drinks. And I just think, nah, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm staying in my lane. I, I know that I'm worth it and um, it's just not worth it. Like, it's just not worth it. So, yeah, that's what sobriety looks like. I've, you know, moved to a new town. I've, I've Like, it's been really important for my daughter. So, you know, like when I was in my, after the marriage breakdown, she was 13. I had no clue. She was out drinking. And, uh, in fact, she actually nicked quite a lot of my, when I turned 50, everybody gave me alcohol. I mean, that's just the sort of person that I was. And, like, I had a shit tonne of alcohol. And, yeah, my daughter was nicking it and I, I sort of would question her, but she would come up with this excuse, oh, no, mum, you know. And anyway, so you can't give up, you can't give it away for anybody else but yourself. But I, I tell you, since, you know, I said to her, like, I'm not going to drink for a year, sort of not really believing it at the time. And she said, well, oh, bullshit, you couldn't give up for a, a month. And that's the thing, like, when people, when you first take alcohol out, and, I, you know, I, was, I had lots of friends that were drinkers, um, I actually, the easiest thing to say would be I'm doing a no, one-year no-beer challenge, and that just would stop everybody. And it's just so crazy how we have to give a reason on why we don't drink. You've got to follow it up with, oh, yes, because I'm pregnant or I'm driving or I'm... I'm doing a challenge and it's just like now I just go, I don't drink. It's mm, great. Like, I don't have to explain myself. You know, that took, a, a you know, over a year, but that's a good sort of little thing to to stop that. Um, oh, just have one or, oh, you know, you're weird. It's like, no, nah, it, I'm doing a challenge. So, yeah. And then once that, that now I just don't have to, say anything it's just like I don't drink full stop I don't have to explain myself but yeah what I was saying like my daughter now like she's you know I'm really proud that she's got a role model because as a, so she's 18 so this year she turned 18 in April that was a little bit like I always imagined myself getting drunk with my daughter on her 18th because that's the sort of mind's you know, we, could, we couldn't wait for her to get her licence. And the ironic thing was when she got her licence, I was sober. <laughs> so, you know, we always just sit around going, oh, I wish these kids could drive us to the pub or drive her to netball or, you know, and kind of like it's very ironic that the time that she got her licence, I didn't need her to drive me around and parent me or pick me up from parties. Um and, yeah, it's been a filter down to her too. She's realised that, you know, um, she was not like me at all. She's got really good self-worth, self-esteem and doesn't need to go out every other night to get drunk. So I don't know if that's probably because she had two parents that were real big drinkers and she just sort of thinks, oh, I don't want to go down that path or whatever, but... Now she's up here living with me. I've moved out of um, a big city and I'm in a town where everybody drinks. I am the freak. I am that one. Don't trust the person that doesn't drink. But I think I I, I don't, you know, go out and say, oh, I'm not a drinker. I just do it by my actions. 
and people are really like quietly inspired by far out. Like I went to a Christmas party on Friday night, had a great time, didn't drink, watched everyone make idiots of themselves, drove myself home. Very yeah. happy and content at 10 o'clock. And I was like, wake up in the morning because I've been working um, and wake up in the morning. So it's like, yep, that's the gift. Oh, that's the gift, right? It's just. So let me ask you the question that we, um, at the end of this, <laughs> is basically uh, if you were going to go back in time, Allie, and tell your past self about what, what life is like for you now, um, what would you say to her? Oh, <clears throat> it's amazing. It's um, freeing. It's authentic. There's no more lying. Uh, I can drive anywhere, anytime. <laughs> I can live by my own rules. I'm not living by my clock isn't revolving around alcohol. So you can do it. You're worth it. And, you know, I'm proud of you because... That could have just been my life and it was for a long, long, long time. And, um, yeah, I guess that little that little girl now is getting seen and heard and validated in a positive way instead of searching for validation in all the wrong places with all the wrong things. So, yeah, I'd tell her to, you know, I forgive you for not doing it earlier. <laughs> but, yeah, life is like... I've got a second chance. I've got a second chance. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. So great. Well, thank you so much for coming and sharing your story. It's just been really inspiring and I'm I'm honored to hear it. Oh, thanks so much, Annie. That I um yeah, it was a real big as I've said to my colleagues at work, I said, Oh, the mother of sobriety is interviewing me tomorrow. <laughs> because <laughs> you are I mean you're like you're the, the work that you're doing and highlighting a different way of looking at alcohol instead of that you know don't do it because of you know like those rigid steps it's, it's actually finding the science on you know what alcohol works until it doesn't and yeah. you know yeah so really um yeah you're helping millions of people so thank you as well thank you Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you're ready to see how this naked mind can help you on your personal health and wellness journey and want to learn more, go to thisnakedmindpodcast.com to learn what your next best step is. Again, that's thisnakedmindpodcast.com. We have all of our free resources, programs, social links, and more available for you there. Plus, if you have your own naked life story to share, you can submit it there as well. Until next week, stay curious. 